0: you don't want to go to church, Liz. You don't want to go to church because you're going or you think you're going by yourself. I started to see God as a God that He's not. The God that He is is all creative. He's beautiful beyond expression. Being with Him is... Like being free. You you know, He is so big. He's so adventurous. He's so open. He's so lovely. He's so powerful. And coming to church for me was like stodgy and bleh. But it's like, Loz, when you go with me, it can be amazing. And this morning, you know, that's what Mel's been on about this morning, is that when we enter into His presence, that's when church becomes amazing. That's when gathering becomes amazing. So let me encourage you, church, never to miss out, never to hold back because you feel bleh, but to just step in and let church not be blur, Let it be amazing because we praise Him and we, and we feel His presence and we look to Him And we experience him, yeah? I think this church can be amazing with the presence of God. Without the presence of God, it's a bit boring, isn't it? It's a bit average, just like every other church. I don't want to do church, I want to be the church. And when I come here, I want to experience God. Let's have that resolve, real life, yeah? Yeah, let's have our seats. Thank you, team. We're going to get into the Word this morning. Thank you, Andy, amazing Andy. Thank you, team, for going there this morning and for turning up early, for practising So we're in a series at the moment called Stories He Told and uh, we're talking about parables in the Bible that Jesus told and um, it's awesome because we get to look at the words of Jesus which are life-changing and we get to think about ...what he said when he was here. And this morning, I'm going to look at the story of the sower... ...or the parable of the sower. And this is a story that if you've been in church for longer than five minutes... ...you would know it. Um, But I wanted to revisit this story this morning... ...because it is quite personal to me at the moment. But not only that, because I think the whole point of this story is imperative as Christians... And we'll get to that in in a moment. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to read the story, then I'm going to read the meaning, which is in the Bible as well. I'm going to unpack the meaning, and then I'm going to give you just two little take-home points, all right? So here we go. Let's read it together. Will I read it off the screen? Probably. Is it there? Luke 8, 5, 8, it says this, a farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path. It was trampled on and the birds ate it up. Some fell on the rocky ground and when it came up, the plants withered because they had no moisture. Other seeds fell among thorns. They grew up with it and and choked the plants. Still, other seed fell on good soil. It came up and yielded a crop. A thou- oh, sorry a thousand, a hundred times more than was sown. When he when he said this, he called out, "Whoever has ears to hear, let him hear." All right, so that's the parable. There's a path, there's rocks, there's thorns, and there's good soil. Now let's find out what that means in uh, eight, eleven to fifteen. This is what it means. This is the meaning of the parable. The seed is the word of God. Those along the path are the ones who hear. And then the devil comes along and takes away, away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. Verse 13, those on the rocky ground are the ones who receive the word with joy when they hear it, but they have no root. They believe for a while, but in time of testing, they fall away. The seed that fell among the thorns stands for those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by life's worries, riches, and pleasures, and they do not mature. But the seed on good soil stands for those with a noble and good heart who hear the word, retain it, and by preserving, produce a crop. Let's pray. God, you're so good. You're so good, God, and we thank you for your word this morning. Father, I pray for hearts this morning. This parable is all about hearts. And I pray, Lord, that every heart here would hear you. Every heart here would be able to respond to this word this morning. Father, we know that the seed is perfect. We just pray for the soil this morning, that the soil would be good, that the soil would be rich, that the soil will take to the seed this morning. In the name of Jesus, so... The path, the rock, the thorns and the good soil. Jesus is explaining why the gospel is accepted by some and rejected by others. It's not just about the power of the seed and the potential of the seed, because as I said, we know that the seed is perfect. The Word of God is perfect. Did you know that the Word of God has potential if it hits you in the heart? It has the potential to change our lives, has the potential to grow something good, has the potential to steer our life down an amazing path. The seed is good, but sometimes the soil not so good The soil here represents our heart. So I want to look at these four things, the path, the rock, the the thorns, the soil. First of all, the path. This is the seed that is stolen away. They hear it, but it was taken by the devil. So the bird in the story represents the evil one. Jesus is reminding us, first of all, that we have an enemy and that the enemy is poised to snatch the seed up quickly. So as you know, paths back then were not cement paths. Paths were hard-packed earth. So here the path represents a hard surface or a hard heart. And what happens is the seed falls on the hard heart and it cannot go in. And so the enemy has no trouble whatsoever stealing the seed off the top of the soil. And this is how he does it. Psalm ten nine. He lurks in a hiding place as a lion in his lair. He lurks to catch, watch this, the afflicted when he draws them into his net. So what is a hard heart? A hard heart is an afflicted heart. As I said, it's like hard-packed earth. And it's snatched up quickly. So what makes our hearts hearts hard? Affliction. Has anyone ever experienced affliction? I have. I've experienced affliction before. Has, Has anyone ever betrayed you? Talked about you behind your back? Disappointed you? Let you down in some way? Has anyone ever abused your trust? Has anybody ever afflicted you, brought affliction. Do you know what? The enemy uses that to take the seed away, the seed that God wants to plant in our hearts. This is what affliction means, a state of pain, distress, grief, or misery. You know, I was sitting out the back of my house probably a month or two ago. It was a sunny Saturday morning, and I I was spending time with God, and I just could not connect. Normally, I just sit down with God, and it's like, bang, here I am, just hanging with my best friend. But this particular morning, I had my Bible, and the sun, you know, it looked like the perfect environment, but something wasn't happening. There was something amiss, and I was like, God, I just can't seem to get the gold this morning. I just can't quite see you. I just can't quite hear you, God. What what is that? Why my life is so blessed, why is my heart so downcast? And he said this to me. He said the enemy has cast a net over your heart, and he is trying to entangle you with bitterness, anger, and confusion. He reminded me that my fight is not against flesh and blood, but against the unseen enemy. And I was just like, oh, I see it now. I see it now. The, enemy, the enemy's plot is to overtake my heart, to stop the good things that God has to place in my heart, the revelation of Christ and the freedom that I have in him. His key, his trick is to use all the crappy stuff that has happened in my life, to harden my heart so I shut down and I cannot receive anything good anymore. And that's what he does. He takes our hurts and our pains and he shuts us down so we can't receive anything good anymore. And sometimes, you know, I can actually write it better than I can say it. And I, I wrote this in, in my blog and this is, this is exactly how it felt. Let your affliction become a sounding siren that the vandal is upon the vulnerable. Yes, I see it now. The plot is exposed. This is his plot. Shift her focus from her prospect, which is freedom in Christ, to her pain. Contaminate, pollute, poison, infect, taint her heart. Is that not how doubt and distraction come. And this is his method. An assortment of chemicals, hatred, fear, unforgiveness, resentment, shame, jealousy, the list is endless. Let me ask you a really brave question this morning, church. Do you have hatred, fear, unforgiveness, resentment, shame, jealousy, or anything like that in your heart, if you do, let me give you a warning this morning. That is exactly what the enemy will use to harden your heart and stop the seed going in. We have to get rid of that junk. It's really hard. It's actually one of the hardest things we'll ever do in life is cultivating a good heart a strong, healthy, robust heart. It's a really hard thing to do. But put yourself out there, church, and look after your heart, guard your heart with all you have, because it is the wellspring of life. And from there, you can receive all that God has for you. Have you ever feel like your heart's been beaten, like dry like that hard ground, or dry, like that ground, that path in the sun. No good so- seed could possibly grow there. How does the enemy beat and dry our hearts? He uses our affliction. So that's the first one, the path. The rock, they receive the word with joy when they hear it, but it has no root they believe it for a while, but then in a time of testing, they fall away. This means those who have hot enthusiasm, they delight in God's word, they may even clap loud in church, they're committed and busy, maybe in serving the church, but then temptation comes and they're gone. The picture of the rock is this, that there's a like a ledge and then a s- shallow amount of soil on that ledge, and the seed falls into the soil, but there's nowhere for the roots to actually grow down deep because the soil's sitting on a rocky ledge, rather than in, in deep, rich soil. And this is what the Bible says these people are: they're enthusiastic, but then when temptation comes, ah, they give up. They don't last because they have no deep root system. Let's never be a church, let's never be a people that are satisfied with shallow soil. Let's never be a church that is satisfied with crowds and platforms. Let's never be a church that is satisfied with just doing church, just being in church. Let us be a church that desire to have our roots go down deep into the soil. You know, we can cultivate atmosphere, but we should never confuse it with man, the man-made atmosphere with the presence of God. Man-made atmosphere is created by lights and people and music and food and artwork and nice furniture, but the presence is in the pure and genuine praise of the people. That's why Mel, when she gets up here and she presses us to go deeper, that's what she's after. She doesn't just want the noise, the sound of the music. She doesn't just want the latest song. She doesn't just want the, you know, lights dimmed. She actually wants us to experience the pure presence of God and the way that happens is by us opening our hearts and praising him and not being satisfied with just atmosphere. Psalm 10, 10, 100 forces this, enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. That's how we experience the presence of God through our praises. He inhabits the praises of of our people we don't think praise is too important sometimes because you know we don't prioritize it in our life but actually praise is very important and that's why we start with it every church service we start with praise every church service because the bible says he habits the praises of his people and we want to meet him here yeah. ezekiel 3332 says this indeed to them, you are nothing more than one who sings love songs with a beautiful voice and plays an instrument well. For they hear your words, but do not put them into practice. That's what people with a rocky heart are like. They are followers if it's convenient. That They cannot stand the heat. They cannot count the cost because they don't have a nourishing root system. So how do you get a nourishing root system? You act on the Word of God. You know, the more you obey Him, the stronger your roots get. The, the more you say yes to Him, the stronger your roots get. If you continue to act on the Word of God, you'll end up with strong roots. Jeremiah seventeen seven to 8 puts it like this. But blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord... How many know that that's not just a heart thing, that it's actually an action thing? But blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. He will be like a tree planted by water that sends out its roots by the stream. Does not fear when the heat comes. Its leaves are always green. It has no worries. In a year of drought, it never fails to bear fruit. I want to be like that. I want to have roots that go deep into the ground, that sit by the river. Not a little little plant in shallow soil above rock. I know you want that too, church. And we get that continuing nourishing by continuing to act on the word. Okay, number three, the thorns. These are those that are choked and suffocated with anxieties, cares, riches, and pleasures. Here we see, this is the first thing I noticed. Here we see that the word can be choked by both good and bad worries and anxieties, not so good, riches and pleasures, good things, fun, good things. The seed can be choked by good things sometimes, not just bad things. These are those who are not broken up their fallow ground, those who repent but live like they are unrepentant, those who confess with their mouth but deny with their lifestyle. They cannot, they cannot grow. And you know what, church? I can't throw any s- stones this morning Because if I'd be honest, I know I'm a bit thorny at times. And I think what makes us thorny is when we look at those anxieties or worries or riches or pleasures and they actually take the place of God. I believe God wants us to have a good life full of pleasures. But what happens is when those pleasures actually take the place of God That's when we can say that the seed has potential to be choked and suffocated. The Bible says that a heart that is not fully surrendered to him eventually will fall away. So be careful of those thorns. Be careful of those anxieties and those worries. And be careful of those riches and pleasures, although they are good... Be careful because we don't want any of them to suffocate and choke the seed of God. The debate isn't about whether it is good or bad. It's about whether it takes the place of God. Always, 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 always make sure he comes first. And you know when I'm talking about the gospel being preached and the seed being suffocated... It's because we accept Christ, but we don't have a change in our life. Lottie has an uncle, Uncle Rob, and he constantly says to me, you know what becoming a Christian is? Becoming a Christian or accepting Christ totally revolutionises your life. It's not that you just have God now and you go to church. It actually makes you different there is actually, it's actually a before and an after when you become born again. And he's constantly reminding me of this, saying, you know what, it's not just a little taste, although your journey might be that you, you know, gradually come to know God more and more, there is something that happens in our hearts where it was, I was lost, but now I am found. You know, I was blind, but you know what, now I see That is what happens. Newness happens. It's a revolution that takes place in your heart and in your life. And we have to remember that. The good soil. A good heart is a heart that keeps the word and brings forth fruit with patience. Or this is how I put it. It keeps the word and continues to keep the word which produces a fruit it keeps the word but then it continues to keep the word it keeps the word then it continues to keep the word the fruit comes in the preservation of the word the fruit comes in the continuing action of protecting the seed and keeping the word. So this morning, just as I finish, I'm going to tell you two things or two ways that you can preserve the word, that you can keep the good, your heart, that you can keep your heart like good soil. The first one is this love. We preserve in love. This is really hard. Love is hard, yeah? Love's not that gushy feeling. Love is a choice and love is hard at times. And we preserve in love. The other day I was walking around the lake near where I live and I was processing. It's good to do that every now and then. Just keep your heart clean. And I came to a point where I was like, God, just tell me something I can do because I know this is a battle not against flesh and blood but against the unseen world. Give me something that I can do, God, just to give the devil a sucker punch to the gut. I just want to get free, God, and I just want to get him off my back. How can I give him a hit? And he said to me, he he told me to send a text to somebody that had hurt me and say, I am praying for you this morning. And I said to him, that's a lie, God. I'm not praying for them. I don't want to pray for them. But he said, pray for them and then tell them that you're praying for them. I'm like, that is so hard to do when someone has hurt you. But I did it. I pulled over off the path. I prayed for them. It was a really short prayer. (laughs) (laughs) And then I went, send shoved my phone in my pocket and I took off because I was angry. And you know what? It was one of the best days I've had in months because I just felt so free that I'd just given the devil a biff to the neck that he hadn't won, that I'd gotten rid of some of that rubbish in my heart, that I let love win. And you know what? That's what we've got to do. We've got to ask God... For the guts to love people. We've got to ask God for practical ways that we can love people. You may not be at the texting stage yet. You may not even be at the praying stage yet. Maybe you're at the stage where you just hold your tongue. Do you know what? At first all I could do was hold my tongue. That's the way you honour people sometimes. By just holding your tongue and not ratting them out. And not disrespecting them. You know, no one deserves disrespect. So, at first, it was just about swallowing it. Keeping my tongue together and not being negative. Then I moved to the praying stage. Then I got to the texting stage. And you know what? In the future, I will get to, Well, I hope I get to the stage where I can have conversation or maybe even a hug you may never get there I do not have to trust them again I do not have to have them as my bestie but I do have to learn to love them to love everyone so what can you do if you're dealing with anything like that what can you do to give the enemy a sucker punch just get him. Think of a way that you can practically love. And the second way that we preserve or that I preserve is this. I look after this good soil by preserving in prayer, a constant prayer. It's not about, you know, a religious ritual. It's just about living a life of prayer and keeping my heart in check. I just want to read this passage this morning. It's Luke 18, 1 to 8. Because this highlights it beautifully. Then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and never give up. He said, in a certain town there was a judge who neither feared God or cared about what people thought. And there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with a plea. Grant me justice against my adversaries. I've been that widow. Grant me justice. Grant me justice, God. Verse 4, for some time he refused. But finally he said to, to himself, even though I don't fear God or care what people think, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually come and attack me. And the Lord said, Listen to what the unjust judge says. And will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night, who will keep putting them off? Sorry, he w- will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that you get justice and quickly. However, when the Son of Man ret- uh, comes, he will find faith on the earth. God gave me this scripture one night. When I was seeking him and I was tired of praying and he said to me, keep praying. And that's how we preserve our hearts. Keep praying. It's a parable that tells us keep praying and don't give up. Keep praying and don't give up. What is prayer? Prayer's communion with God. Keep going to him. Keep petitioning him. Keep your heart open to him. Keep coming to him and asking him and praising him. Keep an open heart to him. God hears your prayers. And it says here that he wants justice for you and I. So preserve in love and preserve in prayer. We have the musos, please. You know, I was young, I was afraid of being, having a heart like the path, the rock and the thorns. And I remember as a young person praying to God, God, never let me go. Never let me go, God. Because I knew myself. I knew the temptation that I was likely to participate in. I knew the state of my heart. I knew that I was weak. I knew that I could fall away like that. I, I could see the rock and I could see the path and I could see the thorns in my own heart. And my prayer was, God, never let me go. God, hold on to me. Don't let me escape your grip. No matter what happens in my life, Lord, hold on to me, hold on to me, hold on to me. And it wasn't a prayer based on fear, It was just a prayer based on the fact that I'm human and I stuff up. And then if I don't have him in my life, if I don't have the influence of the Holy Spirit, I'm not going to make it. And it's the same with you. If you don't have the Holy Spirit's influence in your life, if you don't continue to cultivate your heart, if you don't continue to preserve in love, I don't think you're going to make it. And I don't say that as a discouragement. I say it because if you're like me, if you're human like me, there's no way that you can do this salvation journey by yourself. You need God's grace and God's mercy and you need God's favour. We have that in Christ. So this morning, just as I get off, I just want to declare this scripture to you. It's in John. It says this My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. And this morning, that's my personal prayer. God, don't let anything snatch me away, don't let anything take this seed this good news away from me, not riches not pleasures, not anxieties not fears not afflictions not shallow rocky soil hold on to me God hold on to me God hold on to my children God God, I pray we make it. I pray we make it, God. So this morning, will you just close your eyes? I just really feel prompted by God to pray that prayer over you this morning. And I ask that you would pray with me from your heart. Jesus, this gift you've given us of free and eternal life is so amazing and so beautiful. It's too good to be true. But it is true, God. It is truth. And this morning, just like I did when I was a young chick, 13 or 14 years old, and I prayed to you, don't ever let me go, God. I re- First of all, I praise you because you kept me close. But I, I repray that prayer this morning, and I just declare that nothing can snatch me out of your hand that nothing can snatch us out of your hand, God, that nothing can snatch us out of your hand. And for our children this morning as well, that may have hearts that are rocky or hard or thorny, I just pray, Lord God, that you would protect our kids and our kids will never be snatched away from your hand, that our kids will always remain Jesus. For anyone, Lord, here this morning that identifies that they have a hard heart or a rocky heart or a thorny heart, I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would come and that you would clean out all that we have that is stopping that seed going deep and growing an amazing tree that reaps fruit. We praise you and we thank you and we glorify you, Lord God. Amen.
1: Hey, um, David once prayed a prayer like this. He said to God, God, create in me a new heart and renew a right spirit within me. And really that's what Lozzie's talking about this morning. We're saying, God, whatever the state of my heart is, make it new. And this morning as we close, Lozzie's prayed over you. But if you're here this morning and you've never opened your heart to Jesus Christ, you've never allowed Jesus into your heart to make a difference. He's the only one that can come in. Lozzie said she did that as a teenager. It doesn't matter how old you are, how young you are, you can invite Jesus into your heart. You can allow the seed of the gospel to go into your life and change your life by inviting him in. In Revelations, it says, Jesus said this, I stand at the door and I knock. And it's like he's standing at the door of your heart and he wants to come in. But it says, it's up to us to hear his voice and say, yeah, I want that. I want to accept that. I want to receive that. And this morning as we close, I'm just going to ask us to close our eyes across this room. And I'm going to give you an invitation. I'm going to give you an opportunity to allow Jesus into your life, to allow him into your heart. Maybe it's for the first time you're doing this, or maybe it's a way of coming back. Maybe once you've made a decision to follow Jesus, but today you want to make a decision that says, no, you know what? I've drifted away. My heart has gone hard. I've I've closed that door but this morning it's like you want to reopen it and say, yes, Jesus, I want you back in my life. So either for the first time or maybe as a recommitment to get your life back in relationship with Jesus Christ. If you would like to do that this morning, I just want you to simply raise your hand where you are. Everyone in this room with their eyes closed, please, and just raise your hand and say, yeah, that's me. I want to invite Jesus into my heart. I want to know what it is to know his love, his acceptance, the gift of eternal life that was talked about. I want to do that today. Today is my day to be right with Jesus Christ. And I'll give you a moment longer just to raise your hand and accept who he is and the difference he can make. It's never too late. It's never too early. As long as you've got breath, you've still got an opportunity to invite him in. God, I thank you for every person here. God, I pray that for those that are here this morning and they might not be walking with you, pray that right now you would do something in their heart. Lord, that they would hear your voice. They would hear you knocking at the door of their heart, asking to come in, asking to be in relationship with you. God, I pray you give them the courage to respond, the courage to let you in, the courage to make a difference, let you make a difference in their life. In Jesus' name, amen. You might not have raised your hand this morning, but if you'd like to talk to someone, we'd love to talk with you. Maybe the person that brought you to church this morning. Maybe you want to come and talk to me. We'd love to have a chat and talk to you about your walk with God. Hey, we're going to. Um, I'm going to finish in a moment. Let's thank Lozzie for the word this morning. Just want to check. None of you got a random text message from her saying she was praying for you, did you? Yeah? That would be awkward if you were here this morning. Very good. Hey, what we're going to do is we've got coffee out in the foyer. If you're new, we'd love to connect with you at our Welcome Lounge, our Connect Lounge in the back corner. We'd love to meet you, get you a coffee. A few other things i just let you know about before you all take off. Baptism tonight, 6.30. Yeah, that's good. We're going to, um, in a minute, stand and sing and praise and go out of this place with song. But after that, there are some people that um, might want to have some prayer this morning. So we're going to stand and sing and pray. But then after that, if you would like prayer, feel free to come down during that song. At the end of the service, we'd love to pray with you. There's been a few words of knowledge. And a word of knowledge is simply that, this, that they sense that God wants to heal some people in these areas. It's like a, a, a sensing in their spirit that God wants to do that. And so if that's you, there's a few things. One of them is that maybe it's your ankles or your wrists, a headache. In the right temple that's a specific one not your left but your right um, deafness in the right ear your right shoulder your lower back and attention in the right side of your neck They were just some of the words of knowledge that we this morning so what we're going to do is we're going to stand church let's all stand